0: some verses from Psalm 104. In the middle of the Psalms there's two Psalms that go back to back and they both they both start and end with the same phrase. They both start and end with bless the Lord O my soul. And when you read that it sounds kind of funny to be talking to yourself in a way but to me this is just kind of a reminder that we need to tell ourselves that God is worthy We need to remind our hearts that He is the one who deserves all of our praise and glory and honor. And both of these psalms are just full of reasons uh, for why we should bless the Lord. But one that I thought was cool that kind of stuck out to me as I was reading this this week, uh, there's a section in Psalm 104 where he's talking about creation. And specifically, he's talking about how God relates uh, to to the created animals. And he says this in verse 24, he says, "O Lord. How manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. In verse 27 he says, These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the ground. You know, how often do we think of the fact that animals rely on God for their provision? That it says they look to you and you give them their food in due season. And I wonder if that's what Jesus was uh, thinking about uh, when he talked about how God's eye is on the sparrow. And just how God provides. He provides for his creation. You know, in our, in our, in our backyard, we've, on our deck, we've got this big flower pot. And the weirdest thing has happened this year, and it, it's happened two times uh, you know, we were going out there to water it, and here, hidden underneath all these flowers is this little nest full of baby bunnies, right? And the first time it happened, I thought, that's just, you know, that seems like such a fluke. But then to think that later in the year, I assume it has to be the same mom, right? Because why would there be two different bunnies with the same crazy idea to have a nest of bunnies uh, in a flower pot? The, the, you know, just little things like that, that we can look at creation and see how God, you know, provides for 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 things like animals and then how much more is his love for us right how much greater and I think that's that's what we're supposed to take from that just to say as we look at creation and we see how God cares for it uh, boy how much greater does he care for us uh, people his sons and daughters that he sent his own son to pay the the price for our sin so let's just thank him for that as we sing this next song father how awesome it is Uh, that you provide for us Uh, you give us you give us provision you care about our needs uh, you care about your your whole creation and and just to think that the way you care for the animals the birds and 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 just what we consider to be insignificant creatures uh, that you care about them and that that's just a small uh, little taste of your great love for us Uh, lord may you just Lift our hearts to you today and just worship and in praise and in adoration. It's in Jesus' name we pray. week at Creekside. Uh, Many of you were here on Wednesday night and just saw this place just packed, overflowing with kids. Uh, That was so amazing to see. So I know that there's probably still, I didn't clear this with Mary or Mark, but I know there's probably still a need for helpers. I think there's definitely... Uh, opportunities to serve so if that is something that God's putting on your heart whether you're young or old you know that we can find a job for you something to do so so that would be cool to see you know that that group on Wednesdays continue to grow and for God to do amazing things and uh, there's some other neat things happening this week Uh, you can look at everything in your bulletin uh, but I want to call a couple things out a week from today, right after the service, there will be a get-to-know-us lunch. And this is a chance for, for, for those of you who are maybe newer to Creekside to come and hear some more about our history, our beliefs, and, uh, you know, it's really just an informal chance to, to get-to-know-us better. There will be pizza there, so you can stay for lunch and find out more about our church. Also, some things happening this week. There's a men's breakfast on Saturday morning. Please talk to Alec Packer if you have any questions. But I, I believe there will be food at that as well. So chance for men to get together, hang out, have some breakfast. I think it's done, done. you know, not too late. So you can, you know, go about your rest of the day and uh, all the things that you have going on. So just a, a good chance to get together, uh, men at Creekside. Just the final reminder is that next Sunday is a chance to, for us to... Contribute to the special offering. There's a letter out there Please pick one up if if you want to find out some more details But to really just summarize it there's going to be a chance to to give on that day to the lighting upgrade This is is uh, the vote that we had uh, two weeks past that we were just thankful to see uh, A lot of support for but there's going to be a chance to either give a a one-time offering next week or to place a, a pledge card in the basket saying hey this is additional amount that I am able to give between now and the end of the year so this isn't something that we're making a huge deal about but it is important and it would just be neat to see uh, God really provide through this church and cover this this need because what we really don't want to do is have to to go into debt we're really blessed that about 50 percent of the funds are already in place but we're really praying for God's provision to help close the gap and uh, next Sunday is opportunity to give towards that so all these exciting things that are happening uh, we need lights for all of them so uh, this is just a, a practical need that we have a chance to kind of come together and, and help contribute towards next week so that is all the announcements I have I'm going to call Mike nice Warner up and then after he shares some important information about small groups then Steve will come up after that
1: it's a lot of great people God has brought us all together I look around and i've been going to this church for a little while and there are people in this room that i know okay i don't know you well enough everybody who's here today look around look around at the people around you there's people you know there's people you'd like to know better sunday morning we get a chance to chat a little bit but not enough to get to know each other deeper Wednesday night, a lot of us are working with Awana, working with different programs. We are busy. Sometimes we get a chance to talk. Sometimes we don't. Small groups are specifically for us to have that time to fellowship, to get to know each other at a deeper level, to worship God at a different level, to study at a different level, and something that I know I benefit from a lot, and I'm hoping you would too. So we have a table in the foyer and some sign-up sheets if you're interested, and I hope you are, get involved in small groups we want to be very accommodating so schedules we can work around if it's every week every other week if it's a long term short term if you want to do it for whatever length of time if you want to meet here in the church or in your house you can host a small group in your house that would be fine if you're able to do that that would be great if you're able to lead and you want to facilitate the small group discussion that would be great Indicate that on the sheet when you sign up. Please, I'm just looking forward to everybody getting to know everybody else a little bit better. Thanks. Pastor Steve?
2: I invite you to pray with me if you would. Father in heaven, we have sung your praise this morning. We have honored you through our lips in praise to you. I pray now that you would help us to honor you through the study of your word as we open it up. I pray that you'd speak to each of our hearts in a way that we need to be spoken to. And I thank you for the faithfulness of your word and the power of your spirit to do its work, to change us, to transform us, to mold us and shape us for your good, for your glory, and for the gain of your kingdom. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, in northwest Iowa, if you're a, a cyclist, a bicyclist, you will go out and you will change things up a bit because you will go out during the day when the wind is blowing. And in northwest Iowa, there's a reason they put windmills in northwest Iowa. Okay? You have to have a sustained wind of 12 miles an hour to turn a windmill. Okay, so you see a windmill turning, there's a sustained wind of at least 12 miles an hour at that level. I'm telling you, having lived in northwest Iowa for over 30 years of my life, or northern Iowa for 30 years of my life, the winds blow all the time. And so when you're cycling, you go out and, and if you want full orbed training, you ride into the wind because the into the wind training gives you resistance that Mimics or simulates the gravitational pull of going up and down hills, of which there are very few. In the metro, I don't notice the wind, but there are hills. And so cyclists train on the hills because they're present. Any athlete will change things up and do different sorts of exercises to get full-orbed training. It's no different with spiritual conditioning. We need different sorts of exercises, different sorts of activities that will help us fully develop our spiritual lives. And so this morning, for those of you who may be visiting, we're on the end. We're finishing up our series of summer workouts for spiritual training. And we're concluding with one of the most difficult workouts. A workout that challenges us spiritually in the area is giving. Giving, yeah. And you think, oh, well, it's not accidental that he's preaching on giving. No, it's not accidental. In fact, it's intentional because that was what, we had set up when we set up the series that this would be the concluding message, but it is absolutely providential that I'm preaching this message a week ahead of this offering that we're going to take next week because when our preaching team planned the series, we had no idea we were even going to do a lighting remodeling project, let alone be taking up a special offering. The problem is with giving is that uh, there are certain things that are, that are happening. Richard Halverson, who used to be the chaplain for the U.S. Senate, has been quoted to say this. All through Scripture, there is an intimate correlation between the development of a man's character and how he handles money. What's interesting to me is that the level of giving now, Christians are currently giving 2.5% of their income Now, during the Depression, they were giving 3.3%. During the Depression, giving 3.3% of their giving. Religious giving is down 50% since 1990. And I say these things because it's a matter of negligence. And negligence is a matter of either ignorance Or disobedience? And this morning we're going to look at a challenge to both of those, predominantly on the area of trying to eliminate the ignorance that comes along with the lack of giving. And we're going to do so by looking at a couple of the reasons that the scripture gives us. For actually participating in giving to God and His work. And so I have my Bible open to Proverbs chapter 3, and that's where we're going to start because we're going to look at two commands, one in Proverbs 3 and one in Malachi 3, and see what God has to say about the issue of giving for spiritual training. I'm going to read through uh, chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, and we're going to look at a couple of factors that play into why we should be considering giving as. A reason to honor God, which would be honoring him through our giving. There's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Here we go. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats overflow with new wine. Now what you don't see in that snapshot is that Proverbs 3 begins and goes all the way through chapter 3, verse 11, 1 through 11, with a series of commands and then the result of keeping the commands which reflect wisdom that he is admonishing them to uh, undertake. And in these verses... We discover two factors to consider in following the path of wisdom when it comes to giving. First is the reason to give, which is in verse 9. Honor the Lord, he says. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord from your wealth. What does it mean to honor That's the first question we need to ask. What does it mean to honor? How would we honor God from our wealth? Well, the Hebrew word honor is kabod, translated here is kabod, which means actually heavy. Literally heavy. Heavy the Lord. No. Figuratively, it means make the Lord heavy in your mind. Make him weighty. Make him important. He is to be significant in our eyes. So to honor the Lord or to honor anyone is to treat them as important. To honor God is to treat him as significant. Carrie Underwood was the fourth winner of American Idol. And since that time, Carrie Underwood has been inducted into the Hollywood Walk of Fame, into the Grand Ole Opry Hall of Fame, the Oklahoma State Hall of Fame, the Oklahoma Music Hall of Fame. She's famous She's been honored and held up and esteemed highly. The text of Scripture says that spiritually wise people honor God. We make Him weighty. We make Him significant through our wealth. Well, then you say, well, what is wealth? Or we should say, answer the question, what is wealth? Wealth, as someone has defined it, is whatever makes life easy. I mean... Sustenance is what you need to live. Wealth is whatever makes life easy. So from whatever it is that we have that makes life easy, we're to make much of God. We're to take from it and make much of God with it. What makes our life easy. You say, well, I'm not. That's fine. Good. I'm glad he's not preaching to me now because I'm not wealthy. Well, the global rich list has this statistic that a person making $32,800 per year is in the top 1% of all wage earners in the world. Top 1%. If you have a net worth of $93,100, you're in the top 10% of the wealthiest people in the world. That's wealth. We live in a very wealthy country. We are very wealthy people compared to most people in the world. We honor the Lord not just from our income, the text says, but from our net worth. Honor him from our wealth. I was wondering, I just wrote down this question in my mind, compared to what we have, does what we give make much of God? Compared to what I have, does what I give make much of God. If someone was just to randomly look at my life or our lives, and they would say, compared to what you spend on, and then fill in the blank pet care, lawn care, clothes, vacations, computers, iPads, iPhones, watches smart watches, compared to what I spend on playing golf or going to sporting events. And then with what I give to God, am I making much of God? Or am I making more of everything else? Now, I'm not saying that any of those things is wrong, okay? I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have things. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do things. What I'm asking is, should we ask the question? Here's the deal. The average giving by adults who attend U.S. Protestant churches is $17 per week. That's $861 per year. Most of us spend more money on our phones or buying coffee than we do giving to the Lord, according to that statistic, now, that may not be you, that's fine, but that's what the statistic says. So I think it's okay to us, for us to talk about. We honor God from what we possess, but we also, also from what we produce. He says in verse 9, and from the first of all your produce, and for them, literally, it was what came out of the field and what their livestock produced. They gave first from that. For us, it's our income and our investments. Would we honor God from these things? We honor God from our first fruits, and how is that honoring to God? Well, it's a recognition that it's His. (laughs) It came from Him. And then it's a recognition that we're relying upon Him to provide the rest. We give to Him from the first, and then we rely upon Him for the rest. And I had to ask myself, I said, well, am I giving to God first... And then trusting him for the rest. Or am I giving to myself first. And then giving to him from some of what is left over. After I get done with what I want to do. That's a question that I had to ask myself. So that's the the reason was to honor God. The result of honoring God is given in verse 10. So, and it's important that we understand that this is the reason That this is a result, not the reason we give. The reason we give is to honor God. The result of giving is the blessing. That's why the so is there. The so indicates that the reward is not the reason. It is the result of our giving. Okay, Those who honor God will be blessed. That's what he says. Now, I am not preaching... I am not preaching health and wealth prosperity gospel. I'm not preaching that this is the only way that you can be extravagant. He says he'll honor you, he'll bless you, but he doesn't say he's going to to give you more than you need, but not all that you want, necessarily. He's not talking about opulence, he's talking about excess. Okay, there's gonna be excess. There's gonna be more than what you want. This is the Old Testament counterpart to Luke chapter 6, verse 38, where Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Cannot cannot outgive God. The one who sows little will what? Reap little. The one who sows much will reap much. I brought something. Two things, actually, for you this morning. So you can see this. Everybody can see this, okay? This is an aluminum scoop shovel. This is a dirt or gravel shovel, okay? Now I want you to listen to what Captain Levy, a believer from Philadelphia, said. He was asked how he could give so much to the Lord's work and still possess great wealth. And Captain replied, oh... As I shovel it out, he shovels it in. And the Lord has a bigger shovel than I do. We shovel it out, he shovels it in. He has a bigger shovel than I do. I like what Matthew Henry said in his commentary. He said that it it is giving. It is the way to make little much and much more. It's the surest and safest method of thriving. We're not promised riches beyond our understanding, but we are promised that we would not have opulence, but that we would have a blessing. That's what it says when your your barns will be filled and your vats will overflow in Proverbs chapter 3. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. I think we have that on the screen. You will be enriched in everything for all your liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Why would we honor God? that's a good question. Malachi, which is the last book in the Old Testament, which is where we're going next, in Malachi chapter 1, we read these words. If you look at the screen or in there, Malachi chapter 1, verse 14, for I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among the nations. We have a deficient and diminished and anemic view of who God is, then we're not going to want to honor Him. But when we understand that He is both our Creator, He is our sovereign Creator, and He's our loving Master who provides for us our only hope of redemption, then it becomes, oh, yes, He is much more important. His majesty demands and His holiness demands our obedience. And because of our lack of obedience, we deserve His punishment. But His great mercy extends to us the possibility of forgiveness through the sacrifice of His Son Jesus on the cross. He's the only one deserving of our honor. And so we give to God because our giving honors Him. Secondly, through our giving we demonstrate our trust in God. And this is Malachi chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 7 through 12. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man, this is God's response in verse 8, will a man rob God, and yet you are robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you? And he answers, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. In tithes and offerings, verse 9. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it may not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine... Nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be the delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. We honor God through our giving. We trust God in our giving. And there are three considerations that reveal that giving is a means of trusting and the first one is kind of a a negative demonstration which is our refusal to give in fact our refusal to give in this text shows that we lack faith that we're not trusting what happened in the hundred years after the exiles had returned from Babylon into the promised land is that the temple had been reconstructed but they had fallen into spiritual apathy and moral decadence Which means they were living nasty lives. Okay, Not honoring God. He was not their king. They were not treating him as their king. And he says in verse 7. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes. Disobedience. And Malachi called them to return to God through giving. Since the whole nation. The demonstration of their rebellion was that they weren't giving to God. Well. Actually, it's not that they weren't giving. They were giving, but they were giving deficient and defiled sacrifices. You know, it's like this. I was uh, sitting in a Bible study one time, and uh, not here, and uh, one of the gals was sitting there, and she says, you know, I, I, I had a bunch of old books, and I was on my way to the curb to take them out to the trash, and then I thought, I wonder if the church could use them. Yeah, because God really needs our junk. And that's really honoring to him to give him our trash. No, that's what they were doing. Their refusal to give God. He says, you're robbing me. He says, the whole nation. He says, bring the tithe, the whole tithe into the store. And, you know, there was a a history teacher in another town that I used to live in, and he, he, he pronounced it Tiffy. Uh, you bring the tithy. Uh, obviously, he hadn't been to Sunday school very much, but so you bring the tithy. So bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The tithe is a 10%. And I want you to see on the screen, Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, that the tithe is Everything. We have that one or not? Okay, that's fine. You just write it down. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. From your land, from your produce, from all that you give, bring the tithe because it's God's. That's what he says. The tithe of everything is set apart for him, and it's given only to him. <laughs> you honor God by giving him what's his. It's what, and, and and we honor him because it's owed him, because he is the master and the controller and the giver of all. And so we we were, they're were called to do that. God's people were not doing that. And not giving him the tithe was a lack of faith. I don't know about you, but it's, that's one of the biggest uh, challenges in my Christian life. It's because I've got, I, I got this money in my hand, but then I'm going to give it. Wait a second. I got I've got it. I could do something. I got a lot of things I could do, but then I'm gonna give it to God and trust that God is gonna take care of the things that I think I need and actually some of the stuff I actually do need. Well, that's it. We give to God. Uh, if 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 my father has farm ground and he's doing it 50-50 shares with the person who's farming it and that person doesn't give my dad 50% of the crops, guess what? He's not getting his fair share. God owns everything, and he says them, I want you to give me a a tithe, and they don't give it. They're not giving him his fair share, and they're not trusting him with it. Bringing the tithe into the sanctuary was actually providing for the people who operated the sanctuary, those who gave them their spiritual care and nourishment, and with whom they were involved. And that's one of the reasons that I I do preach and teach that our, our primary giving should be to the church that we are part of where we are receiving our spiritual care and in which we're involved not the only reason, but it's, it's one of the reasons. No good Israelite gave less than 10%. In fact, they gave more. Numbers chapter 14, uh, or Deuteronomy, I'm sorry. Deuteronomy chapter 14 speaks of a second tithe that they gave. 14 verses 22 through 27. And you shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God at the place where he chooses to establish his name, the tithe of your grain, your new wine, your oil, and uh, the, the first of your head, head of your herd and your flock, in order that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. They gave a second tithe, and part of that tithe they used to have a feast in the temple. And every third year they kept that entire tithe at home, and they distributed it to the poor, the widows, and the orphans, and the Levites. So they gave more than that. And then in addition to that, in Malachi chapter 3, 8, I just said something about offerings, which was over and above what they had given as tithes. So they gave to God. That was the refusal demonstrated lack of faith. Then he talks about the reason they should give in verse 10. Verse 10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this... I agree with uh, Randy Alcorn in his book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity, when he says this, the tithe was a divine invitation to test God's promise to provide. He says, bring it in and test me and see if I will not provide for you in abundance. So just test me. Only place in the Bible that I know of where God says, test me. Just test me and see. Which, when you test God, you're trusting God. When we test God, we're, we're actually trusting God. And we see it in that passage that we just read, that they will learn to fear the Lord, that they'll learn to trust God, learn to fear Him. To test me is to, is to prove whether or not God will fail or not. It's to put God to the test. I don't know if you heard this. There was a, some guys over, a couple of guys over, kind of treasure hunter guys in uh, Scotland, and they found 200 Coins from the 14th century, okay, just recently, just this past week, from a battlefield. Now the coins are being what? Tested. To see if they're authentic. To see if they're genuine. God says to the Israelites then, which I think is just as valid today, is to test me. And see that if you give to me, I will not provide for you. But the Bible in the New Testament doesn't say anything about tithing. Absolutely correct. It doesn't say anything about tithing. In the New Testament, the Bible never says you have to give 10%. The principles of giving in the New Testament are these. We're supposed to give regularly to the Lord. Okay, 1 Corinthians 16. We're supposed to give proportionately as we may prosper. Okay, Generously. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 20. We're supposed to give intentionally and cheerfully. Tithe served then and I think it does now, as kind of like the baseline. That's kind of scary. <laughs> it's like that was the, that's where they started. And that's where we're we're afraid God wants us to stop. Oh no. <laughs> and they said that's where that's where we're starting. Do you know that 80% of Americans give only 2% of their income? I mean, that's if they're going to church. And it wasn't any easier for them to give then than it is for us to give now, I don't think. Refusal to give is a lack of trust. The reason we give is to test, to trust God. And the result of our giving, if you look at the end of verse 10 in Malachi chapter 3, he says, If I will not open for you the windows of heaven... What does he mean? Literally, it would rain. And if it rained, then their crops would be nourished. They would produce a bountiful harvest, and they would be blessed. Figuratively for us, it just means that God would bless us in some way. And take care of us and provide for us. And the three ways that they're promised this blessing. First one I just mentioned is an abundant provision. God would open it up. And again, he says it'll overflow. Again, this is not, well, you know, I, I mean, I'm not building a house in Malibu, so you don't have to give money to the church for that to take place. I mean, it's just not what we're talking about here. It's not like, well, if, if you give God's guaranteeing you that you're going to own the, the latest BMW SUV, you know, there's no promise in Scripture like that. That if you give generously that God somehow has a, has a, a lake home for you guaranteed. No. That's not it. What he's saying is, I will give you more than you need. And I would submit that most of us already have more than we need. And if we think that's otherwise, we should probably spend a day talking to someone in a different part of where we are country where we live or in a different country of the world where I'm doing I'm doing premarital counseling right now with a with a person and uh, this person grew up in a in a home where they're lucky if they get one meal a day and I'm talking the meal is not steak and potatoes fish and rice maybe says Abundant provision. And then ample protection. Notice he says in verse 11, I'm going to take out that because they were not giving to God, they were cursed. Those who give, those who don't give to God will, are, were cursed here, and those who did give were blessed. And they were being cursed by locusts and animals and things that were trashing their crops. And he says, I'm going to get rid of them. Uh, that's my paraphrase of verse 11. Okay, Malachi chapter 3, I'm going to take care of what's destroying you. God will protect us. And finally, appropriate recognition. I love this in verse 12. He says, and all the nations will call you blessed. See what the deal is? When we give to God, God takes care of us. And it is a way of declaring God's glory to the world. He gives to us in excess, not so that we'll hoard it, but so that we'll honor him with it. Not so that we store it up, but so that we will shovel it out. And use it for his glory. And other people look and they say, Well, it becomes a testimony. And so the principle is, as we trust God in giving, he will provide for us. He'll protect us. And he will prosper us beyond our needs for his glory. Not just for our comfort. And again, you know, we can read... Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 17 through 19, all good things. He blesses us with all good things to enjoy. I'm not saying that we shouldn't enjoy some of the good things and the good things that God blesses us with, but we also need to realize that where they came from and give Him glory. You may be sitting here this morning and you're thinking, well, I don't know. This, why would I give to God? I don't even believe in God. You know? <laughs> why, why would I want to give to God? Which is absolutely a good question. When, when Anybody, believers, when you go to a concert, for Pete's sakes, I can't even believe my wife wanted to go to one of these concerts at the State Fair. And she's like, well, do you want to go to this concert? Well, how much is it? No. (laughs) Absolutely not. I said, I wouldn't even, you know, it's like... I know, bless all of you who went, you know, that's great. You know, I'm not, again, I'm not judging you for going. I'm just saying for me, it wasn't a value. But when you buy the ticket, you honor the person who's the performer. I was at a ball game yesterday for Pete's sake. So I was honoring the people who were playing, you know. And I spent just as much for that as I would have if I went to the concert, okay. And I got way more grins and giggles out of it. You know, so it was just worth more to me. Value added, it was what it was worth to me. But the point is that when we do this, we honor them. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, every time you go to a concert or a ball game or buy something, you honor the performer, right? And all I'm saying is I want to challenge you with the fact that only when you realize, only if you realize, That the God who created you, he is the master creator. He is a loving and awesome savior. Only then will it be worth anything to you to honor him. Will it make sense for you to honor him as, as, as king? Because he created us. And we rebelled against him. And because we rebelled against him, we deserve his wrath and his judgment. But in His love and His mercy, He made a way for us to be forgiven through the sacrifice of His Son on the cross. So that when Jesus died, He paid the penalty for sin that you and I deserve to pay. That if we would trust and accept His gift in our behalf, that we would be forgiven. There's no greater debt that I owe than what was paid at Calvary. And for that reason, I would submit to you, God is worthy of my honor, and he's worthy of my trust. And I would ask you to consider that that would be true for you as well. Because you are destined for an eternity apart from him, just like all of us are, unless, by the grace of God, you accept his gift through Christ. And those of us who know Jesus, the question for us, I think, is, Does the extent of my giving reflect a grasp on the greatness and the goodness of God as my creator and as my savior? Does my giving reflect my view of his greatness and his goodness? I like this quote. It's not what you do with the millions if fortune should ever be your lot. But what are we doing at present with the dollars and quarters we've got? Am I honoring God and am I trusting him through my giving? So here's the challenge. Take a look at it this week. I've been looking at it in my mind, and my calculator, you know. What is God bringing in? What is the the worth and the value? And examine what I've got. And then ask God to show me if my giving is making much of him. And then be willing to submit to whatever God shows me at the end. You know, when we break bread and we drink this cup at the close of our service, they're symbols of the body and the blood of Christ. Whom God gave us as a sacrifice for our sins. He gave us that which was most valuable to him. So how could we not, who have received this gift, give to him? What is of really no consequence to him seems to be worth a lot to us. But in generosity and compassion. So how could we not give? He deserves our honor. And our trust. If you're here this morning and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to take a moment or two to reflect on your own heart, confess any known sin, and then come up and, or to the back or up to the front and, and break bread and drink the cup in remembrance of what Christ has done for us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are a God who is deserving of our honor. You're deserving of our trust. And I pray that this is just one way that we can demonstrate our our honor and our trust in you is through giving. And now as we break this bread and as we drink this cup, help us by your grace to reflect upon the sacrifice of Christ who paid it all so that we could be forgiven and that we would realize that you were absolutely worth all that we could give you in honor and all that we could demonstrate to you in trusting you.